Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. You're on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Monter for the workday afternoon. Today we look at a prevalent heart condition that until recently did not have any medically proven treatment, a form of heart failure in which the heart is unable to fill with blood properly. Not only do HFPEF patients have a poor prognosis with a five-year survival rate of just between 35 and 40 percent, but their condition combined with shortness of breath causes them difficulty in carrying out everyday tasks, such as walking up a flight of stairs, exercising, and even laying down flat in bed to sleep. We find out more next on Health Suite, only on Money FM 89.3. Health Suite with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. I'm joined on the phone today by Associate Professor David Sim from National Heart Centre Singapore to learn more about this chronic heart condition known as heart failure with preserved ejection fraction or HFPEF and the results of the groundbreaking recent Emperor Preserved clinical trial. Prof, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, let's go right into it. Could you tell us more about heart failure with preserved ejection fraction? All right. So we first must understand what is ejection fraction. To put in layman term, ejection fraction refers to every time there's a heartbeat, a portion of the blood will be squeezed out from the left side of the heart to the rest of the body. The normal ejection fraction usually should be more than 50%, a range of about 50 to about 70%. So in the traditional definition of heart failure, we used to have this term called heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. And that is the common kind of heart failure that we see in the past where it's a problem with the failure of the heart to pump out the blood because the pump is weak. Heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, on the other hand, the ejection fraction is normal. That is, there is no issue with the pumping action of the heart. The issue here is there is a failure of relaxation of the heart. And this term, we now call it heart failure preserved section fraction, or in short, have have something that gained attention, I would say, in the more recent years, which we did not realize until recent time. And unfortunately for us, there was no treatment for this condition until recently. Okay, and it also sounds quite serious. Yes, because just like its counterpart, those patients with weak heart, the reduced ejection fraction, patients with have have the preserved ejection fraction, present with exactly the same symptom which you have just previously described, shortness of breath, inability to walk long distance, or in severe cases, they get leg swelling, retention of water in the body, and you know, some patients can't even lie down flat to sleep. They literally have to sit up to sleep, and it really will impact on their quality of life. And in severe cases, they will get recurrent admission to the hospital for decompensated episodes. Okay, so it obviously affects a person's life rather adversely, but is it difficult to diagnose? Diagnosis of half path is tough because shortness of breath, you know, can mimic a lot, can, can be present a lot of condition. For example, elderly patients usually like to dismiss their symptom just because they're elderly, they think that they are so like in a sense, they are, they are prone to get shortness of breath, leg swelling, which is not true. Somebody who is a healthy elderly patient shouldn't have all these symptoms. So a lot of time, because they're smoking, other lung diseases, you know, a lot of time doctors don't think of heart failure preserved ejection fraction. So it's something that they need to see a specialist, a cardiologist, with a proper imaging 
usually we use ultrasound of the heart, what we call echo, together with some blood test, and together if we the right clinical scenario, we can most of the time now accurately, I mean very accurately uh, diagnose the diagnosis of hep All right, now maybe you should tell us how prevalent this condition is among cardiovascular disease patients in Singapore. So uh, based on some of the publication, the prevalence of heart failure in among Singaporeans is about 3 to 4%. And among those patients with heart failure, about half of them will have the reduced ejection fraction. The other half of them will have the preserved ejection fraction. And it will really depend on where you are looking for the patient. In the cardiology unit, usually you will see less patients with preserved ejection fraction because this group of patients tend to be admitted to other disciplines such as internal medicine or geriatric uh, uh, unit. Reason because preserved ejection fraction is a very unique group of patients. They tend to have more females. They tend to be elderly patients in their 70s and 80s. Very, very unusual to find somebody in their 30s or 40s to have this condition. And most of these patients have a lot of comorbidities such as diabetes and hypertension. Okay, um, I heard one thing that made me worried. You said more women. Yes, more women. <laughs> That's not good news for me. The classic uh, description of a half path patient is a elderly, obese, hypertensive lady. Okay, I'm not quite those things yet, but you know, there's time in the future for me to be worried about this. Now, the other thing that you said that was quite worrying was about half of cardiovascular disease patients have this but they're not necessarily diagnosed with it um, because of other things, diabetes, obesity, etc. So by the time you realize or a patient or a doctor realizes that they are suffering from HFPEF, is that a problem, That uh, an increased problem? Yeah, so some of, unfortunately, some of the time, the first time we diagnose a patient having this condition, HFPEF, is actually they are being admitted to the hospital for a decompensated episode. That's what, not what we want. So I think for any elderly patient, whether they are male or female patient, unexplained shortness of breath, unexplained leg swelling, you know, they should have a proper assessment. And the proper assessment will include some form of imaging, some form of blood test to exclude heart failure. Okay, now you said that it's very unusual to see HFPEF in in a younger patient, like someone in their 30s, for example. Um, uh, my concern with that is someone in their 30s is going to go, oh, it's it's not a younger person's illness. I'll, I'll not worry about it. Is there any way or is there any kind of uh, evidence that suggests that if somebody in their family has presented with HFPEF that they might develop it in later life? So far, we don't have the correlation yet. Mm-hmm. But for younger patients, yes, they are unlikely to get HFPEF uh, in the, when they are 30s or 40s. But then again, in a younger patient, if they do have symptoms of heart failure, such as leg swelling, shortness of breath, they should seek, seek medical uh, attention because in a younger patient, they are still prone to the, what we call the counterpart of preserved ejection fraction. That is a reduced ejection fraction. Younger patients can get the other form of heart failure. Right. Now, help us understand the correlation between heart failure and diabetes and chronic kidney disease and what that means for a patient and their families. So, as you know, Singapore, you know, in um, globally has one of the highest incidence of diabetes, uh, which is not good. And diabetes is a risk factor for heart failure. So having diabetes predispose a patient to a higher risk of having heart failure. At the same time, we know that diabetes also predispose the patient to chronic kidney disease. 
In fact, the commonest cause of renal dialysis in Singapore is due to diabetes. Mm-hmm. As a result, a lot of heart failure patients do have chronic kidney disease as well. And chronic kidney disease patients also are more prone to heart failure. So there's a term what we call cardiorenal syndrome. There's a lot of crosstalk between the heart and the kidney. So a lot of time when I manage a heart failure patient, I have to manage the renal impairment as well. Similarly, for the nephrologists who manage the kidney patient, they do see a lot of heart failure as well. So these three things, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and heart failure, it's not a marriage, it's a triad. They are usually all three together. I don't want any. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm wondering, a lot of, a lot of different uh, problems that a person could develop, including cardiovascular disease, doctors say exercise, good diet, um, you know, rest, all these things, make sure you have a stress-free life, which is un, you know, unlikely that we can have a completely stress-free life. But is it the same for someone that is suffering from HEFPEF? Yep. So, HEFPEF, the same thing, we will encourage them to take care of the risk factor Things like blood pressure, we want it to be well controlled. And the patient with diabetes, we want them to control their sugar control as well. And obviously, our cholesterol level, we want it to be well controlled as well. Because if you don't control all this, imagine the patient have PEP, if they develop coronary artery disease, that cause further insult to the already abnormal heart to start off with, that may cause their condition to worsen. Okay, now, this is a problem. In Singapore, it is estimated that there are 210,000 caregivers, many of whom have had to compromise their careers, finances, perhaps even their own health and mental well-being to look after their ill or disabled loved ones. How worrying a trend is this within healthcare practitioners like yourself? Yeah, absolutely right. HEF-HEF is a disease of the elderly and it's a chronic disease. It's not something that, you know, not like infection, a cause antibiotic will go off. It's something the patient will live with the rest of the life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we think of have, have a bit like hypertension and diabetes, a chronic disease. And the I think the biggest stress to the caregiver and even to the patient themselves is actually recurrent admission to hospital. There are studies done, you know, in places Italy when they survey the patient with have, have and the number one thing that the patient complained that affect the quality of life, that make them down and depressed is actually Re-admission, hospitalization. Nobody likes to be hospitalized. At the same time, we have studied to shown that up to eighty percent of the cost, the burden, is actually related to admission. So if we can cut down the number of admission for patient with have have or any chronic disease, I think it will improve the quality of life. Less stress for the caregiver, not just emotionally and mentally, but also in, in terms of finances. And especially now we know with COVID nineteen, you know patient coming in, the limited number of our visitors that come in, you know, the, the, the constraint of needing to do the ART, all this swap before they can come out of the ward. So I think all this also added stress for the patient and caregiver. So obviously, one of the key things that we need to do in heart failure is prevent them coming to the hospital for unnecessary kind of admission. We should, as far as possible, try to keep the patient out there in the community in their own home setting. All right, now you've already addressed the challenges of properly diagnosing HEFPEF. Let's talk about the gap in treatment until recently, and, and please tell us about the Emperor Preserved Clinical Trials. Yes, so HEFPEF is like previously the last 20 years, I would say it's something like the graveyard of clinical trial for heart failure. We try everything, nothing works. 
the reduced ejection fraction that affect the younger patient, they had a lot of trial, a lot of drug that is being that we can use. At least I can think of four to five different classes of drug. But until recently, we had zero drug for HEPAP. All we do is just symptom relief. But fortunately for us, just earlier this year, in late August, early September, the Emperor Preserve trials was uh, being released during one of the big European meetings. And it is the first and only trial to be positive for patients with HEPAP. So in this trial, we will find that previously what we use for diabetes, a drug called empagliflozin, which stands for, uh, which is a class of drug, what I call a sodium glucose co-transporter. Cut a long story short, this molecule, empagliflozin, previously used in diabetic patients, was shown to be useful in diabetic patients to reduce the incidence of developing heart failure in diabetes patients. So we extrapolate the result to say that it may work in non-diabetic patients. So in the Emperor-Produced trial, a preserved trial, what we did was, regardless of whether a patient has diabetes or no diabetes, we use empagliflozin in this group of patients with preserved ejection fraction. And the use of this drug was associated with a 27% reduction in heart failure hospitalization. Okay, now tell us how much of a game-changer this Emperor Preserve clinical trial results are and how does it move the needle for the future of care of these patients? Yep. So like I say, uh, I guess uh, the good news is it is the only drug that is proven to have impact on this group of patients. So not only did it reduce the re-emission for patients with heart failure, it improved their quality of life. And importantly, in the trial, it was shown that, as I previously mentioned, the close relationship between diabetes, chronic kidney disease and heart failure in this trial, it was also found that the rate of deterioration of the kidney function for those patients taking this drug was lower. So compared to patients, as example, everything identical, gender, age, everything, the patient not taking this drug will have a faster deterioration of the kidney function, whereas somebody taking this drug, the kidney function is better preserved at the end of the study, which on average, the patient was followed up for about 26 months. Okay, now I'm wondering... Um, if somebody has got cardiovascular disease and they fit the profile, they're, they're older ladies, they're obese, all the things that you said earlier, uh, but they haven't been diagnosed with HEFPEF and they're concerned, what do they do next? Do they go and see their cardiovascular specialist and say, okay, I, I want to be tested for this. I want you to tell me definitively whether or not I have this. I think if the patient has no symptom of heart failure, there's really no real need to see a cardiologist. But if they do have symptoms that's suggestive of heart failure, for example, unexplained leg swelling, inability to lie flat, or, you know, it could be something like, you know, patient previously were able to do one or two kilometers. Now they find that their walking distance is much shorter. They get breathless, panting when they walk. They should get a referral to see uh, somebody, to I know, a specialist to a cardiologist to get a proper assessment. And if found to have had PEF, uh, we will definitely recommend uh, the use of uh, drugs like the empagliflozin for the treatment of HEPAP. Because at the same time, besides diagnosing HEPAP, we have to rule out other causes as well that uh, is causing the symptom. All right. We've been speaking with Associate Professor David Sim from National Heart Centre Singapore. Prof Sim, thank you so much for the information and the insight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.
or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.